0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined, once again, with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hello, Brian. So we're going get, to get going on the topic in just a minute, but I want to just remind everybody to go to practicalshepherding.com if you want to access any of our resources. This includes, by the way, the field guide that was released a few months ago, Jim, but we have now a page where almost about 30 of the videos that go with each one of the 52 weeks are posted and up and they're free and available so that's another resource that you can take advantage of if you've been helped by our ministry of the podcast we are expanding with a lot of exciting things happening but we we need financial gifts to do that so if you've been helped by our ministry feel free to go to the donate page and leave a financial gift this next month or two would be a crucial time to where we could really use some help in that way. So thanks for considering and, and prayerfully considering giving and helping the ministry in that way. Uh, Jim, we want to to cover a topic that well, actually we we have had a, quite a few people write into us as we've kind of compiled this list we've been talking through this morning on what to tackle for the next several weeks. And we're going to try to focus on places that different pastors have written in through social media and through our messaging about topics they'd like us to tackle. So this is one of those topics that somebody wrote and asked about, and it's something that you and I in different ways can relate to, uh, and that is what happens when a pastor is forced, he's in the middle of his ministry, what happens when a pastor is forced to consider, do I need to pick up side work? Do I need to even pick up another job? So we've talked about bivocational ministry before, but this seems to be a specific, was a specific question, but for myself having gone through this, this is a, a different kind of issue in that you uh, you are a full-time pastor at the church, or at least compensated full-time, and then for a variety of reasons, maybe the church struggles financially, you're in the middle of your you're years into your ministry, and all of a sudden you're having to evaluate, what do I need to do to take care of my family, especially if the church has to cut your salary or whatever it might be? So I think this is the, the specific topic we wanna we want to tackle today before we do it. How can we maybe think about this biblically in regard to a pastor's call, a pastor caring for his family, how a church should be compensating a pastor, and ultimately mm-hmm. are these you know what we want to talk about are these reasons to leave so we're, we're talking about mm-hmm. calling in the midst of this as well so I don't know a few biblical ideas to get us started Jim
1: yes, uh Brian, a few things that come to mind and even and even I have an idea that arises out of uh my own confession of faith that addresses some of these issues of mm-hmm. Uh, pastoral support. Brian, you have passages like uh, 1 Corinthians nine fourteen that that essentially says those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And the matter of pastoral remuneration for spiritual work, if we have given you spiritual things, is it wrong that we should reap some material things? Again, get down to like we say with a lot of things, obviously that can be abused. But in answering this question, we're not talking about people that are abusing it. We're talking about a situation where either the church is so small or the church's view of support for a pastor is unbiblical or where uh, people aren't giving. And, And so it could be any combination of those things. And so what is a man to do when he has a sense of calling? He believes that God has not only called him into ministry, but believes that God has called him to that particular local church. And he's feeling the tension between that calling and the biblical duty laid out uh, for him to provide for his family. And Paul has really strong words about... Providing for a family in and First Timothy chapter five and that's where he says you know if anyone doesn't provide for his own he's worse than a yep. infidel the old uh, King James says he's worse than an unbeliever right uh, and so not providing for your family now again he's talking there not about a situation where a guy's working two three jobs and he and he just because of his maybe his for a variety of reasons, a lack of particular skill, lack of of certain education, he's trying hard. So that yeah. that's a different yeah. that's a different thing. That's right. And so, and we're also not talking about a man who is living an extravagant lifestyle. And so he's asking the church to bump him up to the lifestyle uh, he wants uh, to live. He wants to be able to buy a new car. He wants to be able to live in a nicer house. He wants to be able to. But we're talking about you know you balance the issues of contentment calling and then, and then where there is really a a genuine lack and that is he's has a hard time uh making ends meet has a hard time paying his legitimate bills he's not been uh he's not been squandering he's not been living uh poorly he's not been making a host of financial bad decisions etc cetera, etc cetera. but say again a guy's in a small church or something like that that church has a desire to pay him and I think that it's 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 a good thing to be fully supported. Yeah. But, Brian, I think we also have to know and to, and to recognize and to state that if you are bivocational, you are far from alone. In fact, I, I think I'm right in saying that the majority of pastors, certainly across the world, are bivocational.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so the men that are able to give themselves full time to prayer and to the Word and to caring for the flock— is, is not as many as we might think, yep. and, and so again. So here's a guy who feels that tension. He's recognizing that it's coming to the end of the month. Hard time paying his bills, uh, paying the necessities: food, shelter, gas. Particularly gas prices going up and things like that. He's feeling the
0: pinch. What 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 should he do? Yeah. So I think before we get into that, I I, I just want to highlight. Something you said that this is common, and so uh, pastors who walk through this a lot of time they think they're alone in it, and they're not. It's more common than than not, right? For a pastor to be trying to get creative on how to pick up side jobs or side work, or even have a second job, and which is what which that bivocational status is really common because of that. Um, <clears throat> but I think why I think I'd like for us to start, Jim, before we get into the, some of the details. I think it would be nice if you and I just took a minute and talked about our own experiences around this, because I think it's easy to assume that. Uh, certainly, looking at you now and your situation at the church, who you know is able to support you full time and, and and all those things, it would it would be easy to conclude that <clears throat> you know it's just kind of always been that way for you. And and so I, I think it might be it be, might be helpful just to take just take a couple of minutes. Let us share about our own experiences around having to wrestle through this idea of hitting a place in our ministry where, man, do I I need to go pick up a a side job? What is that job? Do I need to go get a whole other job? Do do I leave because of of those kind of things?
1: Yeah, so I can just, yeah, so for my own self, uh, when I came and when we started, uh, our church took in uh, $9,000 the previous year, which was even back then... Was not enough to support uh, my wife and and, uh, and me, so yeah. it wasn't enough uh, to to be able to do that. And so I did. I looked for part time job. I, I had I briefly had a job in sales, which was a joke, <laughs> uh, and then uh, I I worked for a um, a cleaning service that did different buildings around. Uh, the city and did that for it was only thankfully only for nine or ten months that I had to do that. Okay, okay, it was somewhere around there nine nine months to a year somewhere somewhere in there, and then I uh, a few years later through, I can't get into it all all the reasons I got it I got into some debt uh, over a, a a thing that it's a, it's a long ridiculous story. Uh, where I was promised something and it, it it didn't happen to a family member, but anyway, it was probably
0: I, I can I can affirm it had nothing to do with the mafia it or was, anything along those it had lines. Nothing to do
1: with that, Brian. <laughs> uh, I don't do those sorts of things. So anyway, yeah, it was nothing. Even though I'm Italian, it wasn't that. It wasn't a gambling debt. It wasn't anything right. like that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I was suddenly saddled with uh, trying to pay something off. Yeah. and so I got involved in the food service industry for a while. I delivered, uh, carbon's golden malted waffle mix and fixed waffle uh, irons and nice, things like that nice. at uh, hotels and, uh, and various restaurants <clears throat> and did that for, um, I don't know. It might've been a year or yeah. something like that. I remember just that. Trying to, I remember that. Trying to do that. And, and so. by the
0: way, I, 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 you admired you a lot when you, when you did that, you, um, Yeah, because I, you know, I can't remember if we even had those conversations. Like, come on, your 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 church will, your church if that, you know, would would cover this, but probably well. But it
1: wasn't there. It 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 wasn't a matter of necessity. It was something had happened that it wasn't there. You know, if if I have two, you know, if, if they hire me on a certain salary and then. Let's say again, this this can be a good thing. Say I decide to adopt 10 kids and now I'm going to demand that the church give me $20,000 more a right. year yep. or something like that. I don't know that that's, that's a decision I made and the church may do that, but yep. I need to, de- or if I decided that I want to live in a better part of town and in order to do that, church needs to pay me $25,000 more a year or something like that. Yeah. I don't know that that's really—it's not necessarily the same thing. Now, again, if that if that happens and you really—maybe it's a safety issue and something yep. like that, maybe you're going to need to deliver pizza for a little while, or you're going to need to do something to try to help uh, bridge that gap. But I think we need to ask, what is the church's responsibility? And I was going to mention, Brian, because I, I had said that my confession of faith, a 1689 London Baptist confession— talks about the issue of paying pastors and it does encourage that pastors be kept in I think with the terminology used is a good supply and and, and it it once it, it the desire was and again this is over three hundred years ago, but it was the Puritan Baptist writing about these things that a pastor be able to be uh disentangled from the affairs of the world You're right right and that he have a, a, enough to be able to be hospitable mm. to be able to to be, and part of the ideal scripturally is that we would have enough that we give to others that mm. we're that we're givers yeah. and i think that should apply to a pastor <laughs> as well so that he able to be, he's able to be generous he's able to give money to others. He's able to open his home. And Mm -hmm. so in order to do that, he needs to have a a certain amount of funds uh, to be able to do that. And so again, the question is, so how do you make up that if the church can only give so much?
0: So I appreciate you sharing that. My experience with this came with, with many who know my story. I went to a church, went to Auburndale and they hired me at a salary. They couldn't pay me for longer than about six months, Mm. which I didn't fully learn until I got there. Right. So then I get there and experience all this. And then I'm scrambling to try to find uh, side work that would pay me well and still maybe not eat up all my time to try to do the ministry. I had left to go do this do this ministry. So I did everything from taught martial arts to uh, taught guitar and piano lessons. I, I had these skills and, and had been able to teach some of those in the past, make some side money, taught tennis lessons, so I, I remember. I, so I, you know all this stuff. So, but those early years, I was doing those first several years. I was doing side work like that, just trying to make, just trying to make ends meet, and anticipating the church running out of money for years. At different times, wondering if we were going mm. to. So that was a huge anxiety. So those who, those who can relate to the anxiety of, of just not even knowing short term, where your financial support's going to come. I can relate to that, and, and well, my faith it, was really weak in that. In and then to that.
1: maybe Brian, even more recently, because you had, you were tri vocational. You were not right. bivocational. You were tri vocational.
0: Yeah. Um. Up till about a year ago. Yeah. So that was the first stint of it. Was those first few years of doing side work. So I didn't actually go get another job. Uh, I had these these. Um, These side things that I could make a decent amount of money doing private lessons and those kind of things. That's what I did those first four or five years. But I did that for five plus years um, before the church was able to increase my salary. Then we're looking at you know I guess it's about eight years ago now that the church we had sent a lot of people out in the ministry and uh, it had strapped our budget to where we had to cut a fourth of my salary. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I I pushed to do it and by this time I'm I'm loved at the church. You know, nobody is nobody's willing to even suggest it so i had to go and suggest my own cut no just seeing the budget knowing we had to do this and i was about to go get another job like i just become bi-vocational and um i had some friends i had two friends of mine who came to me and said we appreciate you're willing to go you know work at starbucks for 20 hours 30 hours to try to make this up and things but that's not what we think you need to do we think we have another idea and that was when they presented the idea of, look, we need to, we need to launch practical shepherding into a full ministry, raise money, and let, let the ministry support this other part of your salary. And that's, I mean, God totally used that situation to help us to launch this ministry that, that now has grown and that I serve full-time with now. But that you're right, the, the tri-vocational, when you had the, <clears throat> the role I had at Southern Seminary, all that <clears throat> was to, to fully support me and to get creative around that. So I, I have off and on for almost 20 years have had to try to get creative in, ha- in different seasons of life and how to make this happen. And Brian, I don't know, I, I, I don't really want, necessarily want to
1: get into specifics here, but even with when you're talking about working three jobs, you were pastoring, you were doing practical shepherding, and then working at the Mathena Center there at... Right. at um, I think maybe guys need to understand that even with all of that you you weren't talking about you know adding those together and you were like making $400,000 yeah. a year or something That's like right. that. It I, was
0: I was making a full-time salary with all of that combined. And, and combined.
1: it and was that under over like say $70,000 a year. Yeah. It was, it was about – it was
0: right at about that. Okay. So when, I, mean, I think that's meet. helpful to say.
1: Yeah. Like, listen, because that, that's that's probably close to – Yeah. I realize for some guys hearing that, that sounds like a lot of money. And, and depending on where you live, that is a lot of money or, or it's not much – the, you know, you think that's pretty hard. You know, we had four kids, and we we private tried to school, and you, I mean, some of these are decisions we make. We decide to homeschool, or use
0: private school, or send kids to college, and we tried to when when we. So I basically tell people that I went. I became bivocational when I started w- working for practical shepherding. I just got to do ministry full time, but, but, right. but, but I had two job, two separate jobs that I was doing.
1: And how did that affect, how did you look into it in regard to how did you, how did it affect you in saying, okay, this much time I'm going to give to my pastoral work. <clears throat> did that cut 10 hours, 15 hours a week out of pastoral work and, and, what kind of thing would you let go or did you give to other, you had other elders in the church Were there things you said, listen, I can't do all of, you know, because I need to provide for my family in this and because I've lost a quarter of my salary. Yeah. It's pretty significant. I, uh, I how to, did you work that out?
0: I had to, well, I, so I put it down on paper is the way I started it first. And this is kind of starts to get into the logistics of what we're talking about. I right. think so. You, so we wanted to share a little autobiography because to wanted to let you know we're, we're not talking theoretically out of this. We, we've experienced this, and this is what I did when I realized I was not just going to be a pastor all with my full time. That's all I was doing. That's all I had to do to, to support my family. Uh, I put on paper based on salary, and, and then I broke it down to hours. So when I went tri-vocational, with, when the Southern role came in, I actually wrote down on paper. <clears throat> I believe that I believe we should not work more than 50 to 60 hours a week. Uh, we can work easily 80, and and I, mm-hmm. I just want to put that out there. I think a healthy rhythm is to is to not work more than 50 to 60 hours. So I put like 55 hours up there, and and then I broke it down. I was paid most by the church when we made this change, then practical shepherding, and then southern. And so then I broke down based on what I was being paid. I broke down the amount of hours I would give to each one of those roles in a given week. Now, because it was all ministry, it, there was a bit of an organic, you know, process to be able to function with it. Mm-hmm. But I really tried to stay true to what I was breaking down: how many hours are going to spend here, and how many hours are going to spend there. I didn't keep a time card. Like, I didn't write this stuff down, but I, I let my I let my elders at the church, I let my practical training board, like, I, I let everybody know this was my plan and this is what I was going to try to stick to. And I tried to touch base with, with everybody when it came to that. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing that was helpful with it, though, is that uh, because <clears throat> I had to make this move and the church knew that, you know, I want to say they, they felt bad, but they wish it didn't happen. So they were very understanding and flexible as I took this other role on. And made it easier to be able to uh, to pivot, like you said, to, <clears throat> excuse me, to give other things away to other elders and to delegate more, to be gone more, those kinds of things. And so that's one of the things I want to throw out there that I think you have to think about if you're going to take on another job. I get and questions from pastors all the time. Um, <clears throat> do I take a second job on? And how much do I tell my church? Well, you got to let your church know. Otherwise, their expectations won't change on you. And right. they need to know what the financial needs are that you have, and and it's amazing how much pastors don't want to talk to their right. churches this about this. This is a hard stuff. thing. This so, a, is a hard. So it's a, it's would, a hard and feel self serving. Wouldn't you agree, Jim? That 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 is important. That they have to pastors who are in these positions and are thinking about: Do I take a side job? Do I go get another job? They they have to be letting their church know what's going on.
1: I agree, and I think that people need to have a a realistic view of who a pastor is and what a pastor does. And <laughs> I had a friend years ago, he made the statement uh, that uh, if you paid us what we were worth, you couldn't afford us. He And, and uh, that sounds to some people that you could roll your eyes with that. Yeah. But I understand what he meant by yeah. that is that, when when men traffic in the word and in prayer and labor for your good and love you and serve you it's, what price tag do you put on that you know when 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 a dentist puts a crown on and he charges you know 1500 or 2000 I don't know what he charges for that you know people go okay yeah that's what it is or yeah. uh, you know or a mechanic does this work and and you assign a certain Uh, value to that what value do you put on those people who labor for the safety and security and good and prosperity of your soul Hmm. so i I think that that's a thing that now again that doesn't necessarily mean that you you pay them these extravagant things that other people you know have done and taken advantage of but to say to that a guy should uh, be able to have enough to Get around to uh, get an occasional pizza or take his family out for a meal every now and then uh, that that's not unrealistic.
0: Uh, so why don't we go to, why don't we go to this place? because I think this matters. this is the question this is one of the questions that was sent in to us. <clears throat> is the church not being able to support you full time and let's put it in the situation I was in. I mean, I was there eight seven, eight, nine years before and all of a sudden, the church is having to cut my salary to a point to where I would not be able to just live on that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is that grounds to leave? And, and I think that's where a lot of, I get that question quite quite often, and especially, Jim, through the, the pandemic stuff because finances have been so drastically affected yeah. in different churches. So it, it, because it's no fault of really anybody other than just the reality of the pandemic, there are pastors <clears throat> who are in these situations Trying to figure out, okay, now, now they got to cut my, and we're not making budget. So what, you know, what do I do? Do I cut my own salary and all those things? And and so I will first say, I cut my own salary because nobody would do it, and I saw yeah, that I needed to. I appreciate that. I I went and, but I didn't see it. I felt like my calling was still to stay. So I I considered should I leave, but I realized my work's not done here yet. Right. So I didn't leave, and so that was probably the first thing I want to say is that. Uh, one is you may have to be the one to lead in this way. you shouldn't have to be, but sometimes we that, that's what leadership it really is. And then second you um, you have to it's not necessarily an automatic I would say that just because you're not going to have to go get another job or side work that that means you're not supposed to, your ministry's done there. It could mean that, but I want to just put out there I don't think it means that. And I think that's kind of the black and white question guys are wanting to ask yeah. us is tell me if, if, since I can't they can't support me that means I got to leave right well maybe but maybe not would you agree with that I, I
1: would agree with that maybe. and again I think you, you get back to this what we began with and that is to I have a sense of calling in regard to not just ministry but to this church and to this people I I don't want I mean I I pastored my church. I love my church. I want to stay at my church. I want to be there with the. I, you know, I've had opportunities to go elsewhere. I've been asked to go elsewhere. I want to stay at my church. I, I love the people there. I am sure I'd love the people wherever I went, but I love the people where I am, and and I would do what I needed to do to um, to be able to help them and to feed them and and, and take care of them. Uh, I think, Brian, what we you need to you need to ask, you know, be, is Am I going to be able to do my other callings in life? So there when I when I talk to guys in ministry, one of the things I if they have a family, you need to bring this out, and that is that there are things you believe you're called to. You have a really high sense. I really believe this is what I'm called to do. But there are things about which you have no doubt you're called to. You are called to provide for your family. And right. that doesn't just mean materially. Right. You're called to love your wife. You're called to be involved in the raising of and your be, children. Be there. Be You're involved, called, and yeah. that means you got to be there. <clears throat> right. And so how does a guy temper all of these things? And, and, if, and if a job requires, if, if, if providing for his family means in, that he's got to work maybe 40 hours a week outside the church. He's not going to be able to engage in his pastoral role like a guy who's fully supported. He can't yeah. give eighty hours a week right. to labor. He just he can't do that and take care of his family. That is denying the faith. And so, some of the when we say by vocational. We're not necessarily talking about guys who split their time between two, like half time, half time, half time. Yeah. By usually means, yeah. you know, half half. But we're talking about maybe guys like a friend, a friend of mine. He worked for uh, he was a driver for Frito Lay for forty hours a week, and he did that for 20, th- 20 years, mm-hmm. pastoring his church. He finally got to the time he could retire, and now he's able to give his time full time to the church. Church couldn't afford to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yet, you know, he but this guy preached. Uh, every week and 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 uh, sought to be there and make himself available to the people but that has to be limited and the people there need to understand that the guy who's getting into the pulpit while it's his job to give accurate and responsible exegesis he's not going to be able to Give the, the same amount of time to that that some other people are. He's just, he's just not. And you got to feel okay with that. And the church needs to know that. And sometimes you need to be able to tell people who always feel like their case is urgent. You've got to meet with me today. And yet it was a family day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to tell them. Listen, uh, I have another appointment. You don't need to tell yeah. them what it is. Right. That pressure is real, and, though, and you sometimes you need to say to them, "I'll I'll get with you fr- Friday."
0: So, it, I, it, you know, I, the, anyway, that, that's something I think we need to, to work into that as well. You hit on something really important, and that is that a pastor has to change the way he does his ministry. So the church has to adjust, yes. But what I find is most of the time, especially in the situation I was in, where you've done, you've been able to give all your time to this ministry for six, seven, eight years, and then all of a sudden. You have to adjust. You have to pivot. And right. what the mistake a lot of guys make is they go out and get a 20, 30 hour a week job to compensate for this, but then they keep trying to do their ministry the same way. Right. And and so I want to emphasize that. If you do that, that's totally le- legit and a, and a great way to be faithful to what you're talking about, providing for your family and those kind of things. But you only have so many hours in a day. This is where we got to embrace our limitations, know we're human. And you have to make significant adjustments, and that's hard because there's a lot that leaves that's left on the table. It's undone in a given week. And to do this and not lose your mind, you have to be willing to do that. And you got to be willing to just say no to things or delegate really well. But I stress this, Jim, because there's tons of guys who almost don't seem to have the capacity to make that adjustment, and they ki- practically kill themselves trying to make all this work. And something gives, and it's usually – sleep in themselves or it's usually their family right never sees them and and what i'm what you're saying i think and what what i'm certainly saying is what where the adjustment needs to be made is how much time you give to the ministry how you adjust how you adjust that you gotta get more clever and think smarter about how you use your time and how you Sermon prep and, and all those kinds yeah, of things.
1: Right. That's a whole other podcast maybe, but yep.
0: sometimes there, there there are ways to expedite your sermon
1: prep and totally. and, and, and other things totally. that you can do and still not neglect your flock and not mm. neglect your family. Yep. Again, that that takes a lot of help and a lot of a lot of care, a lot of wisdom. But you may need somebody in your life to if something has to go. The thing that has to go is your ministry. Yeah, it, right. It, it, you right. you can't sacrifice your family. That yeah. that that's non-negotiable. You can't not eat. Yeah, that's not. That's being worse than an infidel. So uh, somebody else can care for a flock. Nobody else can care for your family.
0: Right. So so lastly, let's kind of maybe hit just a couple of practical wisdom points about the pastors wrestling through this. Do I stay? Do I leave because of this? Do I go get some side work? Do I go get another job uh, fully? And what? some practical advice, Jim, for somebody who's um, trying to wrestle through this issue. So,
1: Well, I think one thing, I would seek some counsel and perhaps even some financial counsel. Uh, is, is, there, is there a way that a lot of guys don't know how to budget? A lot of guys don't know how to, to taking a greater responsibility. I haven't, I haven't always been great at this. I'm still not great at this. I'm trying to be better at it um but where you you try to say you know like my wife and i've done over the last few years we somehow managed to save an awful lot of money over the last few years that we weren't able to do or weren't doing earlier part of this because you know we're trying to pay our son's way through through college but we realize that in trying to you know meet uh, that uh, tuition every year that we're saying we're stocking away this money well that meant sitting down and budgeting in ways that we hadn't yeah. before so you know you, you may find that there are some ways out of that yep. so that's that's one thing i i would just say so see- seek some counsel I, uh, secondly brian i might say is that there is also the possibility if you're part of a network of churches that there may be some churches that can that would be able to aid so our church helps certain men we give hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars a month that's spread out over several ministries to allow certain men to be able to to meet because it's not like they need Fifty thousand extra a year, but they might need twelve thousand mm-hmm. extra a year, yeah. and so ourselves and one other, two other churches. We, so if we give six hundred a, a month, and another church gives four hundred, yeah, that make that makes that that yeah.
0: meets the need. And there's that's great. There's churches like yours that can that has the ability to fill that need, and it's a way to support other ministries. That's I think that's great. Uh, I would say kind of along the lines of what you're saying. You know, go talk to your your leaders about it. So if it's your elders, that's who you answer to, or if it's deacons, or if it's a committee, uh, whatever the structure of your church is, I would go and sit down with them and have a talk with them. Say, "Here's my situation, and here's what I'm trying to wrestle through," and <clears throat> let them speak into it. You know, share. Be that's the place to start. Probably not opening up at a members meeting and start talking about this, but go to the people who actually could maybe. One, give helpful counsel to you, and two, can maybe know something that you don't um, about the finances or an option on how to maybe make this up. Or you may talk to somebody and they say, you know what? I actually know. Actually, there's somebody in the church that needs somebody to work 15 hours a week doing this, and they pay really well with it. You know what? So you just so when you seek counsel within the church. So I, I agree with you. Financial counseling and that kind of stuff. Is really would be really smart to do, but within your church, you got to let people know what's going on, and let them speak into it, and, and trust that God will use their voice, their knowledge of the situation, their love for you. Hopefully, would would drive and give you uh, to drive you to know what you need to do to give you wisdom and discernment around what to do. Because I hesitate, Jim, to say do this and do this, and uh, you know, in this situation, every situation is different. And yeah. we need to acknowledge that. That's why we're we're trying to give some points of think about these things. But I hesitate to say, well, if you're in this situation, it's time to leave. Or if you're in this situation, you just need to go get another, another job. Now, there's all kinds of options that you can bring to the table. And we'd encourage you to seek counsel to try to figure that out. So,
1: Yeah. Uh, and, Brian, another thing I might recommend is, is thinking about the kind of work that you do. Yeah. Uh, and even what time that work is. I, I i would not encourage a guy to to work a midnight shift who's bivocational uh you're going to be a, a zombie um, there are jobs that do allow a man to be able even to to uh, to do some studying the kind of work that some students do where where they uh, there are some like uh uh uh, guard positions and things yeah, like that where you're getting security guards you're sitting about that yeah. sometimes you're sitting at a desk and you might have an hour where, you know you're doing your job i mean you're, you're there where you're supposed to be but you might have 20 30 minutes uh, at any given time you, you can do some reading you can do some studying you can read the word you can pray you, you can you know th- that sort of a thing that uh, is a possibility something as best you can if possible that's conducive uh, to meet with what you believe to be yep. your your overall calling.
0: That's good. My last word on this is: don't miss that God's providence is all over this situation in your life. We can think that God somehow caught off guard. Now that now I've got to scramble and figure out how to make more money or whatever. You know, this is a part of the plan of God, and you got to have faith to believe that. It certainly was for me when when I was trying, and it was it was really anxiety provoking and uncomfortable. To have these conversations to try to figure out what I was supposed to do was something going wrong with my ministry and put me in this position and it was clearly the hand of God moving me to to make a decision to launch this ministry in a way I probably wouldn't have at that time and so I'll say the same thing to whatever God has for you don't don't miss there it's his there's, there's, there's plans for you in it for example, if God is wanting you to be able to get out into the world more, to be gospel light, exactly to share right. the gospel, to be around more unbelievers, which we are not much as pastors, unless you really are intentional about it, you know, don't miss the fact that God may want you to go work a job out in the world for fifteen to twenty hours, simply to put you out there. Exactly and, and right. So, so I just I want to leave that final word, like whatever the situation is. God is still on the throne. He's still just as much at work in your life. He just may have something different for you and to be open to what that might be as you walk through it. So, Jim, will you take a minute and pray for pastors in particular who maybe are wrestling with this particular issue and trying to make decisions around it?
1: Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word and we thank you, Father, for your heart toward us and we do pray that you would lead and guide uh, your servants who are struggling right now and wrestling with, with what is right to do. Uh, help them, Lord, in the balancing of their callings as, as husbands, fathers, providers, as churchmen, uh, and as ministers of the gospel. Uh, Father, we, we would desire that many of these would, would be able to be in a, a situation where their church might prosper and to the end that, they're allowed uh, to give themselves fully to this work. But Lord, until such a time, we pray that you would give to them a a spirit of joy and contentment and recognizing that you have good purposes for them as they strive to obey you and uh, provide for their families. We ask this in your son's name, amen.
0: Amen.